Welcome to Theology Jam. My name is Matthew Burkholder. I'm here with my uh, good friend, John Korkadakis. And uh, we are very glad you're taking the time to listen to us uh, just, just blather on and talk and jam and <laughs> jam in a sense. And uh, we're going to be talking about building healthy relationships. Um, yeah. I, think, I think this is, uh, um, you know, this is something we always need to be working on. And uh, hopefully we can... Uh, this is something you've put together called Five Keys for Building Healthy Relationships. Yeah, I, so if you follow these five keys, <laughs> you will have the most perfect relationships. <laughs> no, no pressure, John. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit of like, you know, beyond the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. Okay. okay. And um, yeah. I came up in, in my almost 30 years of leadership, I came up with these kind of five questions that I thought were really important for, you know, times of confrontation, yeah. times of building relationships, or the times that I felt an anxiety inside myself. And I mm. said, okay, why am I feeling this? Um, and, and I came up with a question to say, okay, what, what is really going on here? Mm. Because I thought as a, as, a, as a pastor, as a leader, I think building relationships is vitally important. And I think... Um, and and here's a judgment statement, and you guys can accuse me of whatever, but I think in the world that we live in, we've lost the sense of the importance of relationships. So this is a little bit of a fun one. Hopefully these questions maybe inspire you or help you in maybe difficult relationships that we're having? What do you do with toxic relationships, mm. you know? And I'm not Henry Cloud or I'm not any of okay. the other counselors or, or people, but these are, we, we could just vamp on these questions, yeah. okay? And I think they're really powerful. In, at least they've been very helpful in, in, my, in my experience with people. So yeah. here's, here's the first one. The first one's not original with me, but... The minute I heard it, mm. I went, I got to adopt it. I got to mm. adopt it. So the first one is, am I making a point or am I making a difference? You know, when you, you it's so easy to make a point. So, That's all I want to do is make a point. Yeah. I want to make points all the time to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel personally attacked, John. <laughs> 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 oh no, that's a good question. I'll, I'll forgive me if I attack you. <laughs> I did. I did not mean it. Is it is a powerful question? Uh, and I, I, I've been in conversations with people, and I've, I have felt my back getting up mm -hmm. because they're saying something. I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I couldn't make a point at this, or do I want to make a difference? So that just allowed me to handle the entire conversation dramatically different. Um, now, making a difference is harder. Right. You know? Yeah, the point, like, uh, you know, I'm looking at your notes here. The point is an easy win, a quick win, right? Yeah. That's true, yeah. right? It's easy to make a point. But, it's like, yeah, like you said, it's harder to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the place where I, I found this the most useful, which is really odd, is with my own kids and my grandkids. Mm. You know, um, there's been a number of times with, with my grade eight grandson um, that, that is close by to us where I've actually asked this myself. You know, I could, uh, you know, I could 
sit down and have a conversation with him right now about this, as opposed to just say, you just do it this way, kind right. of as I said so or something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is this is across the generations that it's a really good question. It is. Um, yeah, to I ask. See, I see my daughter doing these, my daughter's doing this all the time. And I, I think I know why, because they've probably seen me have to make my point, right? <laughs> so that's, that's very, it's a good, insightful yeah, question. Yeah, it's, sure. it's a really powerful question. Yeah. Um, the second question um, I came up with, um, because I'm, I've been a boss, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, unfortunately, even in church ministry, I've had staff under me and stuff like that. And there's times where I've had to say, is this a problem to be solved or a person to be loved? Okay. Um, and that made a big difference to me because um, the way I answered that question was how I would approach the person, mm-hmm. right? Made a big difference. You know, I, do I come down on them? Like they've never done this before. Um, this is out of character for them. There's a number of times where, I, where I've had to stop myself and say, wait a minute, so-and-so did this, but this isn't really typical. This is out of character. They're not late normally. So maybe something's happened that they're missing this meeting and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So let's just love on the person and not just right. you know think that this is a problem. So that's been a big difference uh, for me in, in the way that I've, I've managed things. Yeah, and I think... I think the church can encourage this too, like to think of people as problems to be fixed, right? Like oh, that. Yeah. I think that's sort of like, I think that can be almost ingrained in us at a at an early age. Is is we see people based on their problems, right? And um, I just I this week I I was sharing. I read this comment, and it was a person who wasn't a Christian anymore, oh. and they said, you know, one of the lasting harms that Christianity kind of had on me was seeing people as, as, as a project instead of, a as just an end of themselves. And then I, and I, I know that's going to resonate with certain friends that I had yeah. who look at their relationships from, with certain people in the church and realized, oh, that person had no interest in me as a problem. They just wanted to fix me and, you know, uh, try doing that in a marriage right? Try yeah. and just fix problems instead of loving your, your partner. And that's a path to heartbreak, right? So, yeah, know, I heard, I heard something, you know, I heard something really interesting this week from a, a psychotherapist that in marriage, um, women expect to, to change mm. the man. Right. And the man expects that the, the woman will never change. That's, <laughs> Yeah, right? And I thought that was really powerful, yeah. Yeah, we can hit those, you know, hit those crossroads. And I I think when we, uh, you know, I've been married 15, 16 years, been in a relationship with my wife. Yeah, you better get that right. Yeah, 16, (laughs) just had 16 years, so 20 years together. And I can definitely identify problems in the marriage that were related to me just trying to change or fix you know, I, I probably more close to the, the women in your, your analogy, right? <laughs> but like, um, yeah, that's, you know, let's just see people as an end, not as a means. Not to as an a end. means, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 People, people to be loved. So mm-hmm. that, that has stopped me in a number of, of potentially dangerous situations where I say, wait a minute, like, 
This mm-hmm. person deserves to be loved and, yeah. and, and not a problem. And, and, and the, the opposite side of that is if it's a recurring thing, then suddenly I say, oh, okay, well, this is a problem now to be solved. Right. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you still need to love that person. Right. Yeah, you can address something, right? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you yeah. do it in a loving way. So that's yeah. why that, that question was really powerful. Um, the other thing, too, as a pastor, there's all these demands on me. So the third question I asked myself is this, is this a demand placed on me, or is this um, uh, something that I want to do is deep within me, and I'm, am, am I okay with it? Because as a pastor, for instance, there's, there's, um, there's this mindset that, um, in some church circles, that the pastor should be the one that does all the hospital visits. Mm. No one counts <laughs> at a hospital visit unless it's the pastor. And if you know anything about me, uh, the hospital and me don't get along very well. Yeah. I do not like the hospital. Right. I'm not saying that I don't go to visit people or anything. It's just a personal angst for me. Yeah. But if I need to go to the hospital, and you know, I I go to the hospital, right? Absolutely. But are people forcing me to do that because that's part of their expectation and I hate doing it? Mm. You, you know? Um, so that was, that was another question I would ask, yeah. right? Is this something that God has wired me uniquely for? And I, I do it because, you know. Yeah. It's... And, and, it, and um, I think, I don't know, when you're, uh, if you're like a pastor in the church and you feel like the expectation is to be all these different things and you try to do it all, you might actually be like preventing someone who is really gifted. Like there's people in the church who probably, they, they're wired to go and visit with people who are sick or in the hospital, right? And so why not let those people, right, bring them onto the team and let them use their giftedness and 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 probably will be better for everyone involved, right? I don't, I, you know, like, I want people, I've always wanted, in every ministry I've been in, I've always wanted people to be there because they really want to be wanted there. to be there. Like, yeah. some people are like, I don't really want to be on this music team anymore. Yeah. I'm like, well, don't be. Yeah. Right? Can we? Can you find that? Is there a different place you can plug yourself into? And sometimes they do. Yeah. As bizarre as it sounds, I knew when when I was called to this church. Right? I, I, you know, you're praying to God. God is this the church? And I, I remember one of the things that that helped me cross the line is that we had elders here mm. that loved doing church. <laughs> like like hospital visit yeah yeah and I went yes Lord you know you you, <laughs> you even took care of that element awesome. for me so yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was like yeah yeah tick, yeah. tick the big box for awesome. me so yeah yeah that's good that was cool um, uh, is it an, another question I, I would ask myself for building relationships was is this a time to be vulnerable or I say durable or to be hard or, you know, come down. Um, and this is like the, you know, a problem to be solved, a person to be loved. This is another aspect of it. But um, I've learned over the years that being vulnerable is risky. It is absolutely, um, you know, can make you stand out a little bit. Is it easy? But it's far better than being the hard guy. 
being, you know, durable or however you want to see that. Um, but I think being vulnerable is what helps people see you as authentic and as real. And I think it adds to the trust factor that, you know, one of our other podcasts we talked about. Yeah. Uh, the limiting of, of, of trust. And you know what? I'm at an age where being vulnerable is getting easier. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting. To, there's like a, there's a, um, there's a reaction. I like, we're both, we're both men, right? And I'm, I am old enough to know and have experienced the expectation that as a man, I would not be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that is something that people are trying to, to really like, we're, we're trying to raise boys and that it, you know, like, please don't tell boys it's not okay to cry. Right. Like, that that does all sorts of kind of damage to 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 men, right? And it's interesting how there's been this conversation like we need men to be like to be vulnerable is to be strong, you know. Uh, Brené yeah. Brown, Brown talks talks a lot is, about yeah. that, right? Yeah. And how men were taught to be uh, tough, right? And how. Uh, sometimes people would say, oh, we need men to be vulnerable. But then when they are, they, they get mocked by they it get mocked and by they, it. they experience shame and all that. Right. But then there's this whole reaction happening where it's like, there's like, we need to be the alpha males again yeah. and we need to blah, blah, blah. You know, okay. There's a time to be strong and st- strength is important. There's a time for stoicism and durability, right? You, you mentioned durability, yeah. but vulnerability is also part of being a human, right? It's, it's Okay. Yeah, and, and, like, and I think that's the whole point is making that conscious decision, Yeah, right? Is this a time yep. for me to be vulnerable or do I put that stoic face on yep. and have to be hard because, you know, this is a, a an right. experience or we're going through something where you have to be the leader and you yep. have to be give people that assurance and give people yep. that confidence that, there's you know, time. you've got it under control. There's a time yeah. for that too. There's a time for that. But there's also a time... When it's okay, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I think as as men, we we really haven't done that well. I don't think we don't always do that that no. balance well, right? Um, and uh, yeah, um, yeah. Good. That's a good point. Thanks, John. Yeah. Um, the the last the last question that I have, and, and this might take a bit of explanation. Does being different mean I need to be distant? Okay, um, you know this. This this plays into um, our our cultural expectations and the social stratas that we have. And and this person is from a, a different people group, different ethnic group. You know, they're different from me, and all this kind of stuff. And we're seeing more and more in our culture this push towards nationalism, tribalism, all of these kinds of things. But just because we're different doesn't mean we need to be distant from one another, right? And um, there's been times in my life where I'm, I've had to think to myself and say, you know, I don't fully understand this group or this, this person that's talking to me, yeah. but it doesn't mean we have to be distant, right. okay? And, and I've noticed that it's changed the conversation, uh, in, in many ways, when I, when I can find common ground with people. 
um, instead of just putting a wall up and saying, I, I can't understand you, you're too different yeah. from me, you're part of a culture I can't understand. I know that's that's really out there, right. and that's probably not one of the more common questions I would ask myself. It, it was used in certain situations, in certain contexts. Yeah. But it protected me from seeing people different and therefore not connecting with them. Right. Is it, I don't know if this is, maybe I'm just not, um, maybe I, I'm wrong here, but it seems like in one hand, we're, as a culture, we're trying to like identify and celebrate differences. Yeah. Like we're, we're, like we're, we're able to identify these different identities and different beliefs and different values. But at the same time, we're like encamping ourselves with those people who are like us, who most. are like us the yeah. most. It's like this been this liberating experience where we're like, okay, it's okay to be different, but we just end up yeah. dividing ourselves even more. Yeah. Right. And we, I, we surround ourselves with people who, who are like us. And I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's good. I think that's dangerous. I, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously there's, obviously there's a lot of, um, you know, if, if you were a, a per person of a particular culture or identity or, or whatever label you want to put on part of your human existence, I'm sure it's liberating to be around people who think the same and have shared experiences. But, like, if we're going to be any kind of empathetic, an empathetic person or, or society or group, yeah, we can't. We can't be distant from each other, right? And, and, and we lead really myopic lives if we if we don't yeah. open ourselves up to, to different people. And it teaches us to listen well. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, we we've talked about that in another podcast that we need to as leaders be good at hearing people. Um, so these these questions have sort of helped me in situations, and uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but. If I'm going into a situation, often one of these questions will pop up in my mind, yeah. and it's it's helped me stage myself before a confrontation, a conflict, yeah. uh, a meeting, um, one, any any circumstance that you could apply them. Yeah, you're a big uh, you're a big believer in the pause, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a pause. It's take a pause, take a breath, um, like like literally take a breath. Like yeah. take three breaths. And these, these questions are probably, you know, as you take that pause are, are probably going to come in handy sometimes in different, different situations. So, well, you raise a really good point because, um, I, I think, I think part of what gets us in trouble with relationships is our reactions, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I've said this many times easy to act like a Christian, it's harder to react like one. And that's why I'm a big believer in the pause. The, the, the pause goes, okay, wait a minute, what, what am I going into? What are the potential minefields? What's my state of mind? Um, have I, you know, have I prayed, you know, like the quick Nehemiah, you know, the quick prayer right. that, that gets offered up? Um, those kinds of things, I think, become vitally important because they set the stage for healthy relationships. Right. And if there's anything we need in this world is healthier relationships than we're yeah. presently experiencing. You know, and just as you were talking too, I was I was thinking like 
when you when you're if you you know you're practicing sort of this self evaluation and asking yourself these questions, you're going to recognize moments when you maybe haven't reacted well. Yeah, and you know what that can do is it it, it can actually help you see that other people too. Yeah, when they've done these things to me, oh. right? They've you know, I've I can do this. I can treat a person like a problem, or I can, you know, I can maybe not do this well. Other people are going to make mistakes too and and it helps us maybe extend a little bit of of grace and empathy to people who have maybe messed up with us right yeah maybe that's the overarching question to all of this is am am i being a person of grace yeah and that's you know that's an early mentor of mine in in ministry was that um, if you're gonna side on one side or the other always side with grace yeah it'll never let you down yeah so I think there's something in the Bible about, I think grace is sort of an important thing. <laughs> is it? I think grace, yeah. something about grace. About grace, yeah. 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 I think it was like this big moment too in church history with, uh, anyways, that's, grace. <laughs> you can't go wrong with grace. Can't go wrong with grace. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, that that's it. Hopefully yeah. those uh, will uh, sort of help you in, in your walk with with Christ and, and deepening your relationship, not just with Jesus, but with other people around you in a way that grace speaks into their lives in a much more helpful way. Hope those were good for you. And thanks for being part of Theology Jam. Take care. <laughs>